It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, welcome to the 80th episode of the What If Football Podcast. The Champions League is back, so therefore, Le Grandes Equipes is back. And we're covering today the 2001-2 season. Bayern Munich were the champions, Real Madrid were the favourites. Who could possibly win? Well, today on the Sports Social Podcast Network, as with every Wednesday, we're going to find out. Let's get stuck straight in. And when we discuss the 2001-2 season, unfortunately, we have to discuss that the impact of September the 11th and the attacks on the World Trade Center in New York City extended to the first match day of fixtures. As frivolous as that transition is, we have to discuss it here. So therefore, Arsenal and Liverpool, they were already in their game state, Arsenal were in Parma, watching the news unfold in hotel lobbies and the game was to go ahead. Liverpool, it was their first Champions League match since 1985's final and they would welcome Boa Vista, the Portuguese club, who had already travelled over. Now, Jamie Carragher said, despite obviously the, the grand reopening essentially to Champions League football for Liverpool, that empty seats, the atmosphere at Anfield was weird Arsenal obviously couldn't concentrate, had a, had a loss in uh, Mallorca. Liverpool drew their match at home to Boa Vista, which should have been a cause for celebration in terms of returning to the to the big time, really, of European football. Those were the games on September the 11th that UEFA ordered a minute silence for. Business as usual was the, uh, was the line. Obviously, they got a a lot of flack for that, and, and rightly so. Obviously, teams were had already jetted in to their 
to their matches, essentially. And teams for the Wednesday fixtures on September the 12th would have already done so as well, or would have been in the process of doing so. So, having caught the flack for the Tuesday fixtures, UEFA went ahead and postponed all of the September the 12th matches. Manchester United were one of the teams that were representing England and they had already arrived in Athens for their match against Olympiakos and they were taken to Greece whilst the planes hit the towers. Rather, um, wouldn't have to play a game, they'd have to go straight back and um, players would remember the games played on the September 11th for the first match day as numb. They obviously would feel immaterial, atmosphereless and... The games that wouldn't go ahead would go ahead sort of in between match days three and four. October the tenth would be would be those. And it's because of this and because of obviously the atmosphere that directly comes after such a tragedy that the first round of this Champions League, at least for one half of the draw, becomes almost pointless and almost, you know, pointless discussing. So with that out of the way. We'll get back on track to how it should have been played. Group H, and we always discuss the holders first. The holders were Bayern Munich. They've been given quite the custody group here. Sparta Prague, Feyenoord and Sparta Moscow. And obviously around this time, there was only going to be ever one man to uh, to save Bayern Munich. And it was Giovanni Elber. He's gone two against Sparta Moscow to make that a win. He's got two in Eindhoven in a... In a, in a Rotterdam, rather, in a 2-2 draw, and then two more against Spartak Moscow in a 5-1 win. And Bayern Munich, really, in this group of all groups, they didn't really have to be at their best because teams like Feyenoord, Spartak Moscow, in terms of experience on European stage, now Feyenoord would then go on to win the UEFA Cup this year. Those teams vastly underperformed, and Sparta Prague essentially just stuck took the group by the scruff of the neck. They beat Feyenoord 4-0, beat Spartak Moscow 2-0. And in that latter match, um, future Chelsea FC legend Yuri Yarosik scores quite simply a ridiculous free kick. Um, he would score probably two of two of the top five goals in this Champions League season. And then um, a shock to everybody, really, Spartak Prague would win in uh, in Rotterdam. Peter Babnich's uh, equaliser in uh, 2-2 in Moscow, qualified Sparta Prague there, and Bayern Munich had Sparta Prague as their pals in the last 16, which is, of course, still still two group stages, so they'll be going into the last 16 group stage. Group A, Real Madrid were the favourites to win the thing. They'd just blown the transfer fee record miles out of the water. Zinedine Zidane had come in from Juventus. They were drawn with... Roma. Now, if you had played Championship Manager 2001-2 around this time, or really ever, um, and that's all you've gone on, you don't really watch football and you just play it for you know, th- th- how good a game it is, you'd be forgiven for believing that Roma were the best team ever to have lived. And they were so in that Championship Manager edition, Vincenzo Mantella, Gabriel Battistuta. And to be fair, to be fair, Fabio Capello was the manager, world-class manager. Roma were the Italian champions as well. However, in well, it's possibly the more important of the of the um, group games comes first, where Real Madrid flex their muscles over them in Rome. Luis Figo, Guti scored the second half goals in a two-one win. 
Luis Figo was absolutely magnificent. He set up the second goal absolutely magnificently and and they barely come out of second gear after that, really. They beat Lokomotiv Moscow and Elect twice and they're through. Um, Jose Mourinho would go on to call it football heritage, wouldn't he? Meanwhile, Roma, despite you know being the best team in Italy on record, the previous season have to grind out the results. The draw in Brussels, the, the late winner from Francesco Totti in Moscow against Lokomotiv and Cafu scoring rather in the in the game in Moscow, Totti scored the late winner in Rome. And they need another point against what is an already qualified Real Madrid in Bernabeu. And Totti gets their goal. And of course, Totti is their main man in real life. Montella, rather confined to being the main man on championship manager. And in Group G, we have Manchester United. Still, you'd just about be able to say front runners. Um, given what seems seems a simple draw on paper, Deportivo... They've only been they've only been in the Champions League one year. We all know that they are quite a good team. Perhaps in a same ilk as Roma, they'd won the La Liga in uh, in two thousand. They're essentially um, late goals FC in this group stage. Scored an equaliser in the ninety fourth minute against Olympiacos. Two goals in the final four minutes of a memorable two one win at the Razor against Manchester United. Lille scored a late goal, um, taste of their own medicine there against um, against Deportivo. And then a game that is quite, is seared into my skull as a Manchester United fan. <laughs> the battle between Wes Brown and Fabian Bartes to see who could cock up the most at home to Deportivo. And to be fair, one apiece really from them in, uh, in a win for Deportivo, a 3-2 win there that uh, takes them to top. And Manchester United need a win over Olympiacos in order to, to do so. And, and they would do... Um, Deportivo confirming top spot Manchester United follow them into the uh, into the second group phase and Deportivo really by this point I was always very very wary and it wouldn't be the last time that Manchester United and Deportivo would face more more on them later on we go to group E Juventus they ditched Carlo Ancelotti Marcello Lippi the man of the moment in the 90s who gifted Juventus of course their second European Cup he was back Juventus were determined to return to trophies. They'd not won one since Marcello Lippi was there in 1998. That's three years. And for Juventus, that is a huge time. In terms of the Scudetto, Milan had won it in 99. Lazio had won it in 2000. Of course, we discussed Roma had won it in 2001. And in terms of the Coppa Italia, Parma, Lazio and Fiorentina had all won that. Meanwhile, when we get to Europe, Juventus is away form. To put it bluntly, is piss poor. They draw late on in Trondheim, our favourite boys Rosenborg there. Um, Juventus can't score in Porto. And and to be fair for me, in terms of, maybe not in terms of the importance of it, but the, in terms of the quality and entertainment, the match of the tournament is a 4-3 loss at Celtic Park. And um, despite this away form, Juventus have sealed qualification before the final match day, which has gone against them in certain instances, but they've been more lucky than not in in the in the time that we've been covering the Champions League in Le Grandes Equipes here. And they're only through really in advance because obviously the, the other team's form isn't too great and because they've won all three of their home matches. Amoruso's last minute goal on the first match day against Celtic essentially separates them, for example. Obviously, the head-to-head record, the away goals, getting three in Scotland, obviously helped them a lot. And um, Del Piero scored two free kicks, one better than the last. It was unbelievable, wasn't it? He's a player that doesn't tend to get remembered as a fantastic free t- free kick taker. 
Obviously, you've got Carlos Beckham, Juninho, Messi, Ronaldo, but Del Piero on his day was one of the absolute best from a dead ball situation. And in terms of Celtic, they, were, they could feel agreed for a penalty that the... Um, the, uh, they conceded, which really shouldn't have been a penalty in Turin. But um, in terms of the second best team, probably was Porto. They needed to beat an already eliminated Rosenborg. Rosenborg, unfortunately, not the team that um, they used to be. But they do have two returning heroes, which we have hyped up to the moon, it seems. Sigurd Rushfeldt, he was uh, he was on loan back at Rosenborg for six months from Racing Santander. And Harold Bratback is back for another five years both of which scored in the group stage, but it wasn't enough to stop them from finishing bottom of the group, whilst Porto, of course. Porto, of course, um, return to the last 16, following Juventus into the uh, the second group stage. Group F, we've got Barcelona. Charlie Resach is in charge at Barca. They're continuing to spend absolutely bucket loads after losing Luis Figo, of course, to Real Madrid. Javier Saviola, 35 million euros. This is 2001, by the way. And I know Zidane has offered 50 million euros, obviously, in his transfer from Juventus to uh, Real Madrid. But Barcelona is spending this on multiple players. Giovanni's 21 million euros. Both of those players come from South America as well. Um, and in Lyon and Leverkusen, really, you've got two teams who could be a bit of a... Two banana skins, dark horses, whichever way you want to talk about it. And in this group... Um, Bit of a rare occurrence, really, but there's not a single draw in this group. Fenerbahce lose all six as a result. And um, in terms of probably the crucial game of the lot, which does infer who follows Barcelona into the into the last 16, Ulf Kirsten on the very first match day scores a very, very, very late goal for Leverkusen against Lyon, and that's essentially... Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Essentially, how Leverkusen get through. Leverkusen do beat um, Barcelona 2-1 as well. And Barcelona confirm qualification with a, a last gasp winner against Gerard Lopez and a... From Gerard Lopez, rather, and um, another stoppage time winner for Rivaldo in a 1-0 win against Fenerbahce. So not having... Not having it their own way, but Leverkusen do look a little bit dangerous. Leon, we, we do know that they will become dangerous further down the line, but um, showing a bit that they no pushovers. And that is probably, in terms of groups of death, probably is as good as we're going to get. In terms of other English representation, we discussed it earlier, Liverpool and Arsenal. Well, Liverpool, they had um, Boa Vista. They, of course, had Borussia Dortmund and Dynamo Kiev, which Boa Vista, after that 1-1 draw at Anfield, very, very tricky. Very, very tricky time. Now, Liverpool, of course, in this in the Premier League area, they've hardly had a 
a successful time of it, a, a League Cup here. Um, and obviously the treble from the, well, a treble from the previous year, the FA Cup, the League Cup, and of course, they are the UEFA Cup holders after beating Alaves. Um, Gerard Houllier, after taking sole charge in um, November 1998, has made them way more solid and a bit more of a European team. Now, Liverpool had had runs in the Cup Winners' Cup and UEFA Cup quarterfinals, semifinals here and there, but... Um, no more so had they looked solid than in the previous sort of 12 to 18 months since Jared Hooley had really got, really made an imprint on them as um, as a result. In terms of this group, Dortmund aren't the 1998 vintage, or 1997 vintage rather. Dynamo Kiev again, they were around similar times where they were having their pomp under Valery Lobanovsky. They'd fallen away a little bit. Boa Vistra, a bit unknown, but um, could be dark horses. And obviously they get that creditable, creditable draw at Anfield and beat Dynamo Kiev and Dortmund at home. So that's essentially enough for Boa Vista. Going into the final match day, you've got Liverpool on 11 points, Boa Vista and Borussia Dortmund on 8 points. Liverpool still unbeaten, so they've done quite well. Boa Vista taking one of their only two losses in Kiev. Um, did not matter though, really, as um, Liverpool still needed to beat Borussia Dortmund and did so, helping them out and, of course, helping Boa Vista out and both qualify for the last 16 Arsenal as well. Would this be the year that Arsenal finally do something? In the earlier stages of this season, there's not a lot of confidence knocking around really in North London. They'd, of course, they'd signed Sol Campbell, which would turn prove to be a turning point as such. But they'd not won a trophy since... I mean, are we counting the Charity Shield? I personally wouldn't, but the FA Cup in 1998, the Premier League in 1998 as well. So they've not won a, a trophy for three years. Of course, in that time, Manchester United had been treble winners, won the league umpteen times in a row, um, been fairly miserable, lost a couple of cup finals as well. UEFA Cup to Galatasaray, the FA Cup to Liverpool. And they, it's sort of, they're on the wane. It feels like they're on the wane, but... Wenger's halfway through building a good squad. Thierry Henry's doing all right. They've sold Mark Overmars and recouped a lot of that money and some very, very, very good players. Robert Perez, Freddie Lundberg, of course. Dennis Bergkamp's still there, obviously. Um, in the group with them, we've got Panathinaikos, who we know are tough, and we've seen them do quite well in the uh, Champions League beforehand. You've got Real Mallorca, who a bit of an unknown quantity, like Schalke in Europe, although they do have more, probably more experience in terms of winning competitions than Arsenal do, or rather Schalke do. They won the UEFA Cup in 1997, didn't they? And they've got Emil Impenza as their little wonder kid. Samuel Eto'o, they got to the champion uh, Cup Winners' Cup final in 1999, Real Mallorca and Samuel Eto'o. So they've, they've got two wonder kids there, both of them, and they could be very, very, very dangerous. Um, in terms of Panathinaikos, they beat Schalke 2-0 to qualify themselves and eliminate Schalke. And um, in terms of head-to-head tiebreakers going into the penultimate match day, Arsenal need a two-goal win over Mallorca to qualify. Robert Perez, Dennis Bergkamp get those goals. Um, Thierry Henry finds the third in a 3-1 win, as he had done really in wins over Panathinaikos and Schalke. So this is probably, although Thierry Henry had scored some pretty crucial goals, this is probably the genesis of him becoming... Well, he would become Arsenal's greatest ever player. There's no doubt about that now. But one of the Premier League's better players, Arsenal's best player. And as we move on through these weeks, as we cover more and more Champions League se- seasons, 
we'll see that influence more and more, particularly in the next year or two. But our final group in the first group stage, be glad to get the back of these, Lazio, PSV, Nantes and Galatasaray. Now Lazio was still, still for me, they were always promising, but always under-delivered in Champions League. There's always one of those teams. I mean, Arsenal, I guess you could say are one of those as well. And you've got Galatasaray in there. We all know about their strengths. Nantes, they had a run in the 90s to be proud of, and they do seem back to an extent in terms of domestic football, at least. PSV, they'd lost Ruud van Nistelrooy, their main, their main goal threat. But without him, in terms of it obviously had a long injury layoff, didn't he? They'd romp to every division glory. 17 points. I mean, this group was a free-for-all, really, especially after Lazio went the way of history and lost all three of their first games. Claudio Lopez scored against um, PSV Stankovic. Dejan Stankovic scored against Galatasaray. That's the only thing that's keeping them in the tournament going into the final match day. Nantes had essentially had the inverse form. Two wins, but they wouldn't score in the next three games. Um, PSV's inferior head-to-head over Nantes, a 4-1 damaging loss and a 0-0 draw meant they needed to go and get something against Galatasaray. And in terms of the last match day, it was Nantes 8 points, PSV 7, Galatasaray 7 and Lazio 6. And off the back of those, Galatasaray win 2-0 and Nantes won late on. So those are your teams going through. Essentially what it is, is the two unfavoured teams, or rather the two unfashionable teams, are the ones through to the last 16. And we will discuss the second group stage and the knockouts. After this short break, we've got... Manchester United, we've got Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Liverpool, Roma, Real Madrid, Arsenal, Juventus, Deportivo, Leverkusen. Huge teams and some other teams in there as well. One of them has to become European champion. We'll discuss it all after this short break. Welcome back. We've whittled down 32 teams into 16 and we're going to painstakingly go through another set of group stages to whittle that down even further to eight teams and we'll do it chronologically groups a b c then d why not we're going crazy we're feeling crazy anyway group a seems incredibly cut and dry this one on the surface and let's be honest it was Bayern Munich Manchester United and then Nantes and Boa Vista Man United took the heads ahead on Bayern Munich thanks to the away score drawer although Paolo Sergio was there again, as he always does around this time, scoring the late crucial goals, especially against Man United as well. And um, Bayern Munich couldn't better that as they drew 0-0 back at Old Trafford. But by that point, they'd both sealed their spots in the quarterfinals. Ruud van Nistelrooy, his first season at United was as crucial for PSV and the amount of group stage goals he used to score for the Dutch team was incredibly crucial for United. He'd scored two against Boa Vista, two against Nantes and then a, a 90th minute penalty against the French side as well. Meanwhile, Bayern Munich, they're not really firing in front of goals. For example, they'd scored as a team as much as Ruud van Nistelrooy had. They'd scored five goals across six games, exclusively late goals as well. Paolo Sergio, invariably. Roque Santa Cruz as well. And then they get a 2-1 win over Nantes in the final game. A comparative you know, goal glut from Bayern Munich. Jens Jeremies and uh, Claudio Pizarro as well, who uh, we'll be covering, or we have covered, 
on the Story of My Season podcast. There's a cheap Patreon plug for you as he returned to uh, Bayern Munich for the 2012-13 season. Anyway, regardless, let's move on. Group D, Barcelona. They're in a group with Liverpool, Roma and Galatasaray. Now, these are all European... This is the European royalty part of the second group phase, really. But if you to pick any of those teams, who would you think would have had the most recent European title of the four? Nope, it is Galatasaray. But Galatasaray, the 2000 UEFA Cup winners, of course. And they drew their first five games, utterly toothless. Um, the first one they only drew because of Emerson's ridiculous overhead kick on 90th minute for... Uh, for Roma and Galatasaray were 2-0 up in the camp now, but let that go for 2-2. Meanwhile, Liverpool were even worse in front of goal. Barcelona absolutely dominated them 3-0 at Anfield. Mark Overmars scoring one of the best team goals in the Champions League's history. That got replayed over and over and over again at the time, I seem to remember. And then Liverpool did rebound with that with 3-0 nils. And as they did in... Uh, Madrid, Roma held their own against Barcelona 1-1. So you get to the final final few match days of the season, of the uh, group stage rather. Roma have got seven, Barcelona have got seven, Galatasaray have got five, and Liverpool have got four. It looks relatively complicate, complicated, but really on when you delve into it, it's simple. Any team wins and they're through. Yari Lippmann, huge experience in the Champions League. We all know that Ajax 95, he was there. Ajax 96 to an extent as well. Um, he scores a penalty for Liverpool in probably their biggest Champions League night at Anfield since the 80s in a, in a win over Roma. And Emil Heskey adds a second as well, and that means Roma are out. And Barcelona, they're only through because of Juan Luis Enrique, of course. But given Liverpool's result, a draw would have done and they would have been fine and top as well. But uh, a win for Barcelona, they're through. And Liverpool make their knockout stage return for... First time in 17 years, would you believe? And Group C, we've got Real Madrid, record-breaking champions. Panathinaikos, who on their day could be very, very, very dangerous. Sparta Prague, too, to an extent. And Porto. In terms of last 16 group stages, Real had Reali looked out on this draw. Reali, really? Do you get it? No. <laughs> anyway... Real Madrid needed a late Fernando Morientes winner in Prague. They needed a late Santiago Solari goal against Porto as well. And they needed Raul a double late on in the second half to put the game beyond Panathinaikos. So they're, they're still not out of second gear, Real Madrid. And um, I think it's mainly because Porto's underperformance. They'd got one point and zero goals from the first few games. Real Madrid won. They won in Porto all but through to confirm that. And uh, going into the final game, you've got Panathinaikos needing a point against Real Madrid to qualify. If they didn't, Porto's winning Prague would qualify them, but Sparta Prague were too strong and uh, for Porto and Panathinaikos got the surprise point. So Panathinaikos will be in the quarterfinals. It's nice to see a Greek team doing quite well as well. The We tend to, tend to have that sort of, or rather I've tended to have that um, inference that... Greek teams in Panathinaikos and uh, Olympiakos and Turkish teams, in, more so in uh, Galatasaray's case, tend to do very, very well at home, but on the travels have a bit of a soft underbelly, really. But um, we go through to, I think this is the group of death, isn't it, really? Group D, Arsenal, Juventus, Bayer Leverkusen and Deportivo. Arsenal are 
like Lazio I mentioned earlier, one of those teams where domestically they are absolutely fantastic. When you get to Europe, and teams can do this, probably still do, PSG, for example, is probably the most notable example of that. They get to Europe and they just flounder. By Leverkusen, we still don't know about them yet. They're very different from the team that got to the uh, quarterfinals in the mid-90s. Um, I think that was 96, 97, wasn't it? Um, we covered that. Um, Deportivo, a bit of an unknown quantity, but they could be very dangerous in Juventus, of course, the, the royalty of this of this group. Now, Arsenal had recovered from a loss against Deportivo to perhaps one of their... I think it's probably one of their greatest Champions League nights ever, probably up until 2006, beating Juventus 3-1 and Juventus around this time, and Marcello Lippi Juventus as well. Um, they would concede late on in Leverkusen, but rebounded that off with a fine 1-4, one, 4-1, one, four, four, one, four, one win against Leverkusen to give them the head-to-head. And with two games to go, Arsenal are in the driving seat. They're going to make it three teams from three, in terms of England, in the quarterfinals. Ultimately, ultimately they wouldn't score another goal. They would be embarrassed by Deportivo again. Deportivo loved playing English teams. That's, that's four games against English teams now in this season. They've won all four. Meanwhile, you've got Leverkusen nicking two wins and 66% of their group stage wins in this particular group, of course, came against Deportivo. Um, Meanwhile, Juventus didn't have the same luck as they had in the first group stage game. They'd already been eliminated prior to the final match day. They lost to Leverkusen, of course, and brought Arsenal down with them by beating them in Turin. So, Arsenal, if they'd have won... They'd have qualified on head-to-head over Bayer Leverkusen. But, as it happened, Bayer Leverkusen finished top on 10 points. Deportivo on 10 points. Arsenal on 7. Juventus on 7. And this is that's probably one of the, the beauties of a, of a last 16 group stage, really, where you get these sort of points tallies that would never happen in a million years in the first group stage when there's 32 teams. And a bit of a thinned-out, diluted feel to it. But, at the end of the day and we'll probably press on this next time we do the Champions League when we bid goodbye to the two group phases. It's the fact that you're putting it at the players' expense and the fatigue, and people may have an argument that says they get paid a lot of money and they're athletes and they shouldn't be able to. They should have to pay, play 70 matches inside nine months in a very, very high-pressured environment. And an increasingly the way the money was going, financially pressured environment as well, it's just... Not on physically, mentally, really. Anyway, let's move on to the knockout phases. We have, well, it's 2002, so, well, it's the early 2000s, so you can't really have a Champions League season without Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, and here we are. Here we are again. The rivalry continues. Real Madrid looked to be um, winning away from home in Munich for the first time, but it would go the way of any other time that... Bayern Munich would travel, would uh, host Real Madrid. Bayern Munich score. Stefan Effenberg, he's back. And uh, Claudio Pizarro, they score. And Bayern Munich keep that 100% record at home to Real Madrid, which obviously doesn't stand today, but still. Uh, we're as late as 2002 here and it still stands. It would stand until 2004. That's quite that's quite shocking, really. Um, in terms of Real Madrid's progression, they got it through that away goal, didn't they? And uh, Ivan Helguera and Guti score the goals back in Spain to confirm their passage through to the winner of Panathinaikos versus Barcelona, which seems obvious, seems cut and dry. It's going to be a classico. Well, well, Barcelona don't get the away goal in Athens. 
Angelos Bassinas, remember him from Euro 2004? If you can cast your minds into the future from our 2002 viewpoint, well, he scores a penalty for the Greek side. Let's be honest, a penalty which should have never been given. Barcelona player gets a touch on the ball, but whatever. Not the first time, not the last time there'd be a dodgy penalty in a European game. And then Panathinaikos in the camp now, second leg. Constantino scores within eight minutes. So you're looking at it. Eight minutes played in the second leg. Panathinaikos are 2-0 up on Agri. Got the away goal that Barcelona didn't get. Barcelona need three. And thank God, from a Barcelona perspective, that they scored, they had the the politeness to score so early <laughs> the first goal of the game. And um, it's a, it seems like an uphill task scoring three goals in a Champions League knockout game, no matter, re- regardless really of the opposition, whether it's Panathinaikos, whether it's Bayern Munich. But Barcelona instead rather eased to it really. Three goals within the hour. Luis Enrique again crucial, as he has been throughout the competition really, which does set, so, set up one of the biggest classicos in recent memory. Of course, you've got the Louis Figo history. You've got the way things are going domestically for both teams. Real Madrid will win La Liga as they would do the season after. But essentially this game, I mean, it's one of those where it's dead on arrival really in terms of the second leg. Zinedine Zidane and Steve McManaman score in the camp now. So by the time you get to, by the time you get to the Bernabeu and Raul scoring, it's... It's um, it's sort of dead, isn't it? Really, and, and uh, but Real Madrid would ease through to the final, which is a really, it's a really, it's a proper come down, really, when you think of these are probably two of the biggest teams in Europe. Barcelona, maybe not so much as the, what 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 they would become, but a Clasico, a derby, and it's it's dead inside the half. It's it's one of those games that you hype and you build up from a TV producing perspective as well if you're trying to hype up that second leg. It's a bit like the 2011 semi-final really where, oh, of course, Messi quality absolutely destroys Real Madrid. But part of you is marvelling at that piece of genius. One part of you is thinking, oh, well, the second leg's just a, a whitewash now. Um, obviously, sometimes that can be overturned. Very rarely, though, does it happen to such two... Does it happen in a game with two such institutions, really, as uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona? Now, in terms of who will meet Real Madrid, well, we had a choice of four teams. By Leverkusen, who seemed to be the least experienced. Liverpool, the UEFA Cup holders, seemed to be the next least experienced. Deportivo La Coruña, who, whilst maybe less experienced than Liverpool, possess a little bit of a, a dark horse quality. They've um, already disposed of Arsenal. They've beaten Man United at home and away in the first group stage. And they've got Manchester United, who are probably the favourites. Probably the favourites. Now, it would have been Sir Alex Ferguson's retirement party, wouldn't it, if um, certain plans happened. He's since renegotiated that going into this quarterfinal tie. And I think I think it's mainly from a romantic point of view, where he, as a, as a youngster... Watch Real Madrid demolish Eintracht Frankfurt seven three in the in the Hamden Park final of nineteen sixty. Obviously, fast forward forty two years. Obviously, he's from Glasgow, winning the Champions League with Manchester United. Still a very distinct possibility as we get through to April, we get through to May, and he's probably thinking, I could end my career on a high in Glasgow. Of course, he would have another eleven years in the uh, tank there. But Manchester United would finally get over the line over Deportivo and. Can a rivalry between these between nations like this 
rather clubs from nations like Manchester United, Deportivo, can that only can that last a season and then just dissipate? Maybe it's me and where I sort of the era I came from. I was nine, eight or nine when they were playing these sort of, these sort of rounds of fixtures. I guess Roma and Man United could be one, but Roma never really threatened Man United around two thousand seven eight. 2002 Deportivo definitely threatened Man United. Um, perhaps it's me and seeing Deportivo as more of a threat than what they were, but still a very, very, very good team. But that was, again, like the Real Madrid-Barcelona game, dissipated after one leg. David Beckham scores an absolutely beautiful goal in Coruña. They win 2-0. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer scores in the first half of the second leg to make it 3-0 on aggregate. They do run out 5-2 aggregate winners, but that threat, that sort of sort of bogey team of Deportivo almost. Oh, that that seems to undervalue Deportivo really for me. That's sort of gone now. So Manchester United in the semi-finals against one of Bayer Leverkusen or Liverpool. And wouldn't it be some treat, some treat if Liverpool versus Manchester United, a game surprisingly, which we've never got in the Champions League. And that's obviously down to one United's own shortcomings in the 70s and 80s. Um, obviously the rules of... Um, Manchester United and Liverpool you know, obviously come from the same nation. You can only really have one nation, one team from one nation. Obviously, you've got some exceptions there, pre-1996, would it be? Um, Forest and Liverpool being one in 1979. But there we are. Anyway, Sammy Herpia scores at Anfield. No away goal for Bayer Leverkusen. The dream looks on Manchester United versus Liverpool. We may get it. Abel Javier scores in Leverkusen as well to get the away goal in Germany. Yara Lippmann makes it 3-2 on aggregate as well. And you think all these things are toying up. Liverpool toying up these away goals. Um, but then obviously Leverkusen went through. Lucio scores late on in the day. Whips the shirt off, goes mental. And uh, we were six minutes away from Manchester United versus Liverpool in the Champions League. Never mind. We'll always have that, was it 2016 Europa League? Last 16. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway. Manchester United versus Leverkusen. Now, Bayern Leverkusen had pedigree of some sorts. UEFA Cup final in 1988, which they won against Espanyol, of course. Who could forget? Uh, Champions League quarter final in 1997. Couldn't forget that. Only five years in the in the past when we, we when we come to here. Very very different team for Leverkusen here. You've got Michael Ballack. You've got Oliver Nervel, Both of which score late on at Old Trafford to make it two two. Now, Manchester United have had games like this and would have games like this in the future where they draw the first leg at home, then go away and then win. But this would not be one of them. Roy Keane scores and you think, oh, Manchester United through to the final should be fairly simple here. The the lesser reputable team in Leverkusen will just roll over and have their bellies tickled. <clears throat> Oliver Nervell nets an equaliser and away goals defeat for Manchester United. I remember this being absolutely catastrophic because for Manchester United, this was the first trophyless season of theirs that I could, you know, I was around for because I first started watching football in the 1998-99 season. Obviously, wiped the floor with most competition since. And this was the first time. And obviously, they wouldn't win the league. They were, I mean, they were kind of on for it, but Arsenal were looking superior before they went to Old Trafford and won. They were obviously at the FA Cup, um, and this was like the sickener where you think, oh, actually Manchester United are fallible. They aren't going to be every season where they win a trophy, and this was the first instance in my football supporting life with that Oliver Novell goal. 
um, if you can't tell Man United fan, um, where, where the impossible seemed possible. And the final we get is not the marquee event, Manchester United, Real Madrid. It's by Leverkusen, Real Madrid, which still, still was a competitive fixture. Um, in my mind, coming up to this final, you think there's absolutely no way that Leverkusen, and Leverkusen would win this. And let's not forget, Real Madrid would have beaten Manchester United in the final. I've probably got no doubt about that in my head now, 20 years on. But it would have been, in my head, probably a lot closer than this. Although the game was incredibly close and it was settled by one piece of well, indescribable brilliance, really, let's be honest. But I always preferred the aesthetic. Maybe I'm just me being a contrarian. Always preferred the aesthetic of Raul's goal. I don't know the way it just rolls in. I don't, I don't know. It's a bit like the Robin goal some 11 years on against Dortmund, isn't it? Where he gets the ball, it's just like a glancing foot and it just, the goal is absolutely powerless to it despite it being so slowly trickling into the bottom right-hand corner. I just always like that aesthetic of the goal. Lucio responds in five minutes though and then obviously we get potentially the greatest goal in Champions League history. If not, well, Mauro Bressan and that overhead kick for Fiorentina is pretty high on the list. Um, if not, definitely the best goal in Champions League final history. Well, um, then Gareth Bale turns up, doesn't he, in 2018. But for 2002, I think greatest Champions League goal ever. Maybe still, maybe still. Um, I think... Because it's a winning goal, although Gareth Bale's was a winning goal, I suppose, because even though it was 3-1, it was the second goal in that 3-1. Difficult, really, isn't it? But I'll go for Zidane, on nostalgia's sake alone. And Real Madrid ride out the remainder of the game. Title number nine, will the decima come soon? Well, we'll find out soon on this series of Le Grandes Equipes. We'll be rolling through, periodically dropping back in with the uh, the old Champions League format here. We'll be looking at the 2002-03 season, 2003-04, 2004-05 before we see out the remainder of this season. And with a couple of bits interspersed in between, most notably, next week, where we've got another episode of Obscure Footballer. Round 8 is coming to you next Wednesday, only on the Sports Social Podcast Network. And of course, everywhere else you get your podcasts. <laughs> and until then, thank you very much for listening. And if you do via Patreon support the channel, thank you eternally for that. Until next time, silly. Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.